podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Koshak goes down, penalty to Portsmouth and Old Trafford. Barros tripped by Thomas Koshak, who sent off Lantari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores for Pompey. They lead at Old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamal Lowe's onside, the flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. This is Three Lads in the Pub. On this special edition of Three Lads in the Pub, we were invited down to Fratton Park to meet Eric Eisner and Andy Redman, and here's what happened. So we'll get straight to what we'll call the short-term on-field stuff. In terms of the way it's played out over the last couple of seasons, the club's gone from playoff series against Sunderland and Oxford, and then unfortunately for the last two seasons, we've... We've missed out on the playoffs in terms of game 46 last season. We missed out on the final day. And then today, or this season, that's ended a little bit earlier. From myself as a Pompey fan, going to all these games home and away, I'm sensing a growing apathy, if you will, from the supporters that are going to Fratton Park on Saturdays and then to God knows where on Tuesday or a bank holiday Monday in Morecambe, as it were. My question is, having missed out on two back-to-back playoff opportunities and back-to-back seasons amid the context of the apathy growing among the support space, I think there's a portion of them looking for a bit of assurance that next year we'll be in a position to really challenge for the top six instead of missing out like we have been for a few weeks. So, for sure, we've talked about this point. Um, There's an offside, I remember, here with Pittman and Viv coming down. (laughs) Oh, we all remember that one. I'm having nightmares, Eric. If, 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 there's a different penalty in Oxford, we would be up. So at the same, at some point that that's sport, you know, and that's not a complaint, that's just the facts. I actually think, and I know I get a little slack for this, we were not ready to go up that year. So that next year would have been a lot of losing and in the championship though, which would have been great, but 50% go up, 50% come back. I believe under those circumstances, we would have been 50% that comes right back. And I think that would have been tough on the fans, but we could have said we got promotion. If we build it the way we're building it, I think we'd be the 50% of the team that stays up. So we, I've adopted something called, a, hopefully we get no relegation in our time here. And I think in the transition from Kenny's style of play to Danny's style of play, which is a complete 180, Danny's style of play is able to move up the divisions easier. So if we go up, we're going to be more ready to go up, therefore get us to that other 50% that we want to be in. You know, that said, you know, uh, we will be competitive next year. I mean, you you have injuries. There's always certain things that happen. Uh, we will have a competitive team that is vying for promotion 100%. Yeah, the one, the one thing I just want to add to that, I mean, I, it's, um, I believe you when you ask the question that way. So it's unfortunate to me to hear there's any amount of apathy amongst the fan base. There is no apathy amongst the ownership. I mean, we aggressively want to get the, the club promoted. Um, and hopefully the other elements around the club help... Uh, express that in a sort of you know both visual and experience standpoint but you know there's no way to hide that we're also disappointed not having made the playoffs 
last season or, or this season. I mean, I think it's relatively clear how much we are focused on consistency of manager. We are focused on letting them see out their vision. By the same token, we thought there was a chance with 12 matches to go, um, you know, the, the prior season, that it was the right decision to, to move on from Kenny. Um, that said, you know, he, he, we thought, you know, wins rate, he, he did a great job while here. Um, but there were two things linked there. One was there were 12 matches and just enough time to maybe make the playoffs and with the right, uh, the right energy heading into the playoffs, you never know. You can be in sixth and still, you know, be the one that gets promoted. Um, similarly, what Eric's talking about, the, the sort of question around playing style, um, which I think, uh, you know, it's important to, to try to express it the right way. Like, I think we are trying to play as modern of a version of football as possible, as hardworking of a version of football as possible, as progressive as a version as possible. But, you know, none of that dis- uh, answers the... But fundamentally, we're disappointed, right? We, we, we need to achieve better than missing the playoffs. And, yeah, we, we hope to be competitive next season. So, yeah. Yeah, I think on, on that basis, in terms of the, the disappointment of having missed out and then looking forward to next season... I think one of the sort of understood caveats of this season was that there was a large turnover in the playing staff here at the club. A lot of players came out during the summer window, came in. It was also the same in January. We're facing a scenario in the summer where, again, there are a number of -of out-of-contract players whose futures are uncertain. There are players who've been vital, but unfortunately they're loan players. I think to a man, everyone can agree that George Hurst has done a lot to to change the narrative about him as a player. Gavin Bazunu is clearly destined for higher things. Hayden Carter most likely as well. We're heading into another summer where there is likely to be a substantial amount of player turnover for a club that isn't actually aiming to get too far up the league compared to where it is. If, you, if you're 15th and you're chasing 6th, it's a chasm. But when you're 9th as we are and chasing 6th, it's not as much. But we're still facing a summer of big turnover. What are the lessons that, as a management staff and as a, as a boardship level, have you learned in terms of the turnover from last season that you can take going ahead into summer so for example when you do deals in terms of how you negotiate with new players locking them up relative to what will be a very competitive division next year with a lot of big names in league one so it will be a competitive division i think you want to do your business early in the, in the transfer term you don't want to be you know scrounging for diamonds later on down the road um i think you know it's it's planning it's it's eventually getting this director of football operations which we can discuss at length if you want um it's it's not there's a lot less changeover but every time you have a manager this happens in any sport where they have a different style of play and they have different types of players so while we have people out of contract we want an option on them there's many different formats in the way you want to keep your players that said we want to start to recruit younger kind of even start looking in the National League for the next Jamal Lowe's. Um, while you got to maintain your, your, your competitiveness to get out of the league, you also need to maintain the base of everything so when you get up, you're ready to get up. So we are going to focus on this kind of strategy, dual strategy of the younger looking for the next Jamal Lowe's, which is not something we've really talked about a lot of, and also looking for the players that, because then your loan players, so what we've had is loan players, they've been loan players that we've developed like a Hearst probably, and then gone on to better teams, mm-hmm. not to higher level teams. So that's not the way you should use loan players. We've talked a lot about Danny and Nicky with that. It's like 
they're great at developing players, so why develop them and then give them away? We should develop our young nucleus and then use the lone players as our own mercenaries. And then once we give them back, they're like, how did you get so much out of them? As opposed to kind of the way it was working before. Um, so how do you get from 9 to 6? I think it's about building foundation, and then it's about going from 9 to building the team to try to compete for first. And, you know, will we get there this summer? We certainly are going to try. I mean, it, a lot depends on the way the cards fall and, and what players are available and how much someone wants to shop their own deal and go out and try to test free agency, as we call it. There's so many different factors that a lot of people don't realize that signing these players, which aren't only financially based, like where do they live? You just had a kid. A lot depends on these guys wherever they're having a kid. They're, they're from the north. Do they want to come all the way down to the south coast? When they find that they come here, they love it, but not everybody's willing to take that jump. So, you know, it's all these little tweaks, and it's, it's trusting uh, trusting your staff, from the CEO, Andrew Cullen, to, to you know, the, the Cowley brothers and their staff, and then building out this sporting director, which I'll let Andy, just with my voice, talk about this, the, the, the scouting director, because this is a, we consider a key, key, key hire. Yeah, so the two things just key add hire. there. So, so from an ownership standpoint, we would always like younger players signed longer term and earlier in the window. To be fair to the recruitment staff and the manager and, and their whole team, they still have to you know, pick priorities within that. And so um, I do think last summer it was probably harder for them hearing that from us. You probably hear that from a lot of ownership groups. And then actually understanding that it's more real here, which is we have the patience to see things out. And so even for them, seeing actually the developments around the stadium or the purchase of Roka, whatever, will probably be helpful. But I don't, again, I don't think there's you know, one silver bullet. In general, those are the three things we would always like. Um, you know, so earlier in the window, younger players signed longer. Um, and then the other element that we're adding, but fully having Danny on board and having had this conversation before we even brought him on originally, if, if Danny and Nikki like to fit into the system we're trying to set up, which is a lot of long-term thinking, they are very busy day in and day out working towards winning, what I will say is this Saturday, but the past Saturday, which they accomplished, right? But also right now, their work is not focused on winning this Tuesday, right? And so they very frequently have things that would take their brain away from, well, but uh, Eisner's told me I could focus long-term. So the hope in a... Uh, again, the title may flex from sporting director or director of football, but it's not really about the title. The hope is in that person, you're thinking very long-term. They are able to help you think really thoughtfully about you know, 19 and 20-year-olds to bring in, how they develop within um, our squad, and ultimately provide both better players and more value from those players if, in fact, you know, they're, they're, they're right to be sold on. So that's that's how we're thinking about it. Um, but I have to say, you know, uh, it, like anything, the proof is in the pudding. It's like, you know, the best time to talk about us st stating this openly to you guys now is like, well, a year from now, you'll say, well, either these three players you brought in, you guys were right and they worked and your sporting director was really meaningful or, boy, the, you know, not a single one of them got a single minute and, you know, the, even when they were loaned out somewhere else, they... Uh, you know, they didn't perform whatever. And, and so, um, you know, it's a performance business. So th those are our 
strategic objectives, and then you know now we got to go execute. Mm. Well, you've both mentioned the strategy of the hope to sign young players, develop them at this club, and then to have them as a saleable asset further along in their career, which obviously is a money spinner for the club. On that basis, that actually very nicely leads into my next point. Can I add something? Bombings. It's not always to sell them on. You know, it's also to use them for you. And there, there's like an unwritten rule, kind of, if they're good enough, you kind of have to let their career advance. They, they can do other ways to get themselves out of the club by, like, just, you know. But, like, if they're that good, like, Gavin is going to go on and he's going to uh, Yeah, I don't think there's any debate yeah. about the so, ceiling for Gavin, yeah. Right, so it's like, but it's not to only, there's two things there. It's not just to sell them on just to make money. But it is to sell them on to make money because the money doesn't go back into our pocket. The money goes back into the team. Yes. Then you build the team and now you're building a sustainable team and a model that's growing. So that you can grow and so when more, more revenue comes in, you put it into the team and you keep grow, growing. To where now you can do that in the championship and then you can grow, grow and keep growing and hopefully you know, the sky's the limit. But I mean, I think that's the key. Mm. If we're selling anybody, it's to put it back into the pitch, into operations not to put it in our pockets, to benefit the club, to make it bigger and what we call financially viable, stable, and all that. Yeah, so I think the key nuance there is like, we didn't want to sell Matt Clark. Matt Clark was able to achieve another level and it became the only viable real solution. But like from a club objective, we aren't looking to develop them to sell them. In fact, that may become the only best result. But we would rather if he, he chose to stay here and helped us get promoted, but but it's sort of the realities of the business we're in that you have to be willing. Yeah, to and I think that's because I've actually spoken to a number of fans who've said that it's it can help a club when a player reaches the peak of his value at his time here. It is viable to move them on, and then leading to my next point, which almost supports that argument, is in recent years the following players are players that we've signed for free and have then left for nothing or either came for our academy, left for nothing. Jack Watmore, Tom Naylor, Ryan Williams, Ben Close, Craig McGillivray, Christian Burgess, Adam May, Brandon Houndstrup. Now, there are several players in that group that came through our academy that became experienced League One pros playing for Pompey and then left for nothing. And I think a lot of fans have seen that as a bit of an oversight, that we've developed these players, we've had this good development in place to allow them to go from just teenagers looking to make it into football and there is a potential reality that two of the players on that list will actually celebrate promotion here on Tuesday in front of us and then there's a subsect of that of players who we've bought and have then left for nothing or a fee that's nowhere near to the value we've brought them which is Luke McGee, Ollie Hawkins, Bryn Morris, Andy Cannon, Ellis Harrison, John Marquis. Cal Naismith. So uh, there's a Look, very good group of players in there. This is all together. So what happened is when you're <coughs> in the Premier League, you guys spend a ton of money on players that then <coughs> developed, and then there was no spend for a while. So the, before some of these players, there's a huge gap. You, you follow me there? That's yep. the Mark Clark, Matt Clark, the Jamal Lowe's, the who else is part of that group? The Naismith is part of that group. All those players came from this overspend. In, in, in the Premier League days, and then all of a sudden the cart being pulled out, then no spend. That didn't account for all those, I agree with that. But that has to be, the fans understand that aspect, right? Because that was a huge thing. For a mm. while they were spending on all these young players, then just stopped. 
So there's a whole gap that we have to now fill of young players in there. As far as I have to go down individual players. and uh, Well, I mean, the, the other thing I would say, I, I think that's actually Aren't a very good list. Cannot deny any of it. I, the yeah, reality I is we don't want to develop a player and have them leave for nothing. By the same token, again, like let's give a, an easy example here, right? Jack Watmo, who had a three-year contract, if he gets to the end of his contract and he doesn't want to sign or can sign a bigger contract elsewhere or there's a balance with the manager of his injury history or whatever, right? You end, you do end up with these complicated decisions in football, which are, uh, and so I actually th- I love that list because I think I it has a lot of even. Like no, a lot of our mistakes. I can send it to you after. No, you no but a, a lot of our mistakes. Say, will you just repeat something? So the players that uh, either came for our academy and then left for nothing, or we signed for free. Mm-hmm. What more? Naylor, Williams, Close, McGillivray, Burgess, May, Houndstrip. And then there are certain out-of-contract players this summer, like Sean Raggett, for example, who's just one player of the year. There's a lot of players in that list. One of them belongs to a championship club. Two of them could get promoted here. One's yeah. on the cusp of European football. One's about to get promoted back to the Scottish Premier League. These were saleable assets to the club that when people talk about running but sustainably... Uh, yeah, but rewind a year. So, so, okay, so let's take an example there. They're not saleable assets at the end of their contract because if they were, they wouldn't have left for zero, right? So, so it's not our objective to lose them for zero, very clearly. Now you rewind a year and you say, okay, would you have sold Craig? I, and, and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer here, right? In fact, I thought Craig was a terrific keeper. Now, not to uh, bash anybody, but I think Gavin was probably better than him this year. Now, I'm, again, I'm like, and I will tell you that is an, a decision made by managers, not specifically made by Eric or I, what they believe they can get for what value. But I was very happy with Craig's three years here, and I guess I'm even happier with Gavin's. But I think that analysis is the right analysis. In, in this sport, you often invest into things that leave you for zero. And for sure, you're trying to minimize that, but often you make the wrong call because it is not visible at the time that you could have made the right call. Jack Watmo, we signed to a multi-year contract. The next match, you guys will recall, he got injured. Uh, not his fault, not our fault, whatever. I mean, like, you know, just that's life, right? And, and um, I look at those, Luke McGee. I mean, unfortunately, we paid a fee for a player who didn't achieve the level that uh, We're gonna have was expected. We're gonna have but exactly, what, what you will find about us as an ownership group, A, we are risk-taking. Every one of our other businesses, again, we're only in media and entertainment, they are risk-taking businesses. We are not looking for the sure thing. We will never be asking Danny or his staff or the sporting director, give us the sure thing. Because in general, in this business, if you're buying the sure thing, you're paying a price that's the sure thing price. It's just not... To go back to the goalie, because it covered a lot of the players in there, so the different philosophies are huge. Kenny was ball-stopping and then punted down there. Uh, Cowleys are ball stopping and distribution and distribution really matters to them. It matters almost as much as ball stopping so that was considered in a lot of those decisions so that's again managerial style. Um, yeah. But I, I look I actually I like the list because all that to me every one of those names oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But every, yeah. every one of those that. names slightly embarrassing and also like that's the facts yeah. so what you need to make and up in, as a business what you need to make up for that long list, 
tons of zeros is a handful of big numbers, right? It has to be the Matt Clarks and the balls. So I actually, I, I actually think your analysis is exactly the right way that fans should think about it. In the level we're in, we have to be investing reasonable sums and then every once in a while getting a big thing out of them. And by the way, the even worse list, which you also got to, the John Marquis, right? A, a, a full fee. So now, again, this I would tell you is evidence of our desire. Yeah, you mentioned want, apathy. We wanted to go up. We yeah. Oh, yeah, close. I think every Pompey fan we roots for every player. We were close. Yeah. And the leading scorer. Yeah. We said this, could, this is a shot to try to put us over the top because we want to take those shots once mm. in a while. This was a shot that didn't work out. Yeah, I, I, also, it, it, I also fully believe that this model that you've come up with, you know, sign players young, develop them, have them ball out for this football club, and then if it comes to a point they reach a peak of their value and you think, actually, we can take that money from this player and get, go and get another two good players out of it, yeah. Uh, the overarching point is it's it's in theory a good model to have. It's just based amid the backdrop of some very good players having left for nothing. So the question is what, uh, and you've you know answered some of those already. Is what were the lessons learned in letting for a lot sure. of those great assets go for and then sure. implementing it towards this new model? So when it comes to a point with insert X play here that we sign now. We don't have the same thing happening. You know, scratching our chins going, I think the fans that generally reach out to us are, I wouldn't say concerned. Concerned is the wrong phrase to use, but they've just got some... By the way, it's a good question. I actually think what you're thinking, what you're saying is we have a smart fan group. Because our fan base being this intelligent about, hey, you know, the impact of us losing John Marquis for free that's bad for our club. I like totally agree. And to me, that is an intelligent fan who's like, wow, I wish we found a way to solve it. We also, I, look, I'd say, are we learning some lessons? Absolutely. In general, it is about committing longer term and having younger assets that you pull through a phase and then you end up at, at some phase in there being able to make you know the next but early enough decision. And that is the reason that Matt Clark was dealt with at the time he was dealt with. I mean, we did not want to sell him. If Matt Clark is listening, we did not want to sell him. <laughs> and a year later, he was leaving for zero on that, on that list, right? To me, that would be, I don't want to say criminal, whatever. That would be a very, very bad decision. So the biggest ones we've had to deal with earlier, and we have, but I, as I said, I actually like your list. I, I don't feel great about any of the players you mentioned. <laughs> well, well, we'll keep on the theme of generating money for the club because I think by and large the fan base accepts that there, there has to be some kind of sustainability in football you see what goes on in the championship we've cited Reading with Andrew before the money they spent mm. so in terms of generating money for the football club the more you earn the more you can spend uh, sustainably that is mm. on that basis the stadium work that's going on behind us obviously we, we've seen how the north stands coming along we can now see bits of the south stand starting once that's all done alongside the Milton end, the capacity restoration of Fratton Park will be just above what it was pre-COVID, pre all of this work going on. From our perception, not that, unless not interrupt on the question, not unless they shut down to under ten thousand seats and nobody uh, was there to put any money behind it. Of course, yeah. So, so the, from what yeah, we had that doing, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, people no, seem to forget about that. No, no but so, so the, when we acquired the club, it was about sixteen thousand. Yeah. Post all this work will be north of 20,000. So it's an improvement of only, you know, something a little north of 20%. But your question is the right one. We have done initial, like, we have a simple initial understanding of where they, where are these things not done? 
it would be somewhere in the zip code of 10,000. But fundamentally, when we acquired the club, we knew this. Like, we knew we had to do work. And what you're getting at is totally right. All of our investment, or as much as possible, is going in this. Sustainable revenue generation. So that this same question, when you ask it 10 years from now, you say, oh yeah, I get why they built the North Stand that way. And I get why it also includes new concession stands and a new deal with Piglet's Pantry, whatever. Fundamentally, all of those are the things and why we bought Rocco. So again, I don't know if you guys have ever even been over there, but Rocco comes with a health and fitness club that hopefully will be yet another revenue stream for the club. It will be better facilities for our first team and for our academy, but it also hopefully is, is more revenue generating. But that is the main core of what we're trying to do is build mm. additional long-term sustainable revenue streams and i, that I think when the fans see that yeah. implemented they can they can literally yes it takes a while but they can see how the club is growing year on year on year every football club for example every year trots out a season ticket three new kits a bit of leisure wear and maybe the odd cup run if your team plays sure. well enough this is the bog standard of football and then obviously with the the capacity uh, increase to fratton park just north of twenty thousand the health and fitness club at Rocco and of, of course the tops business that we've brought into the club as well. The fans are always looking for new ways to see revenue generation. Now, five years in uh, since the takeover, I think some of the fans that, I think some of the fans make the wrong arguments sometimes. It's not that we're owned by billionaires. It's what Tornante is good at. It's getting sports fans to buy sports stuff and getting partners for sports stuff. And I think five years in, there are questions of, we've not seen enough from this club that is not being done at, say, Accrington Stanley, Charlton Athletic. Uh, Tornanti's expertise in this industry would, in theory, lead to more revenue streams being generated than another League One club outside of three kids' season the, tickets. What would the things that Charlton, they think Charlton has done that are things we haven't done? You know what I'm saying? So I have clarification on that. I think it's it, when people come here on a match day, for instance, they see other clubs, and I know we're, we're starting something with a fan zone outside the North Stand, but these different revenue streams that we're bringing into the club. I went to Accrington Stanley in October. Of course, it's a club of much different dimensions. What's well, an asset defensively? A mass is like a. a we're trying to learn. Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, so. it's, it's totally fair. I just think that five years in, if we're talking about sustainable growth of this football club, we have to be seen as a unique outlier in the division in the way that we bring money into this football club. We have to bring in First different revenue stop, streams we because have to stop the bleeding. I yes, of that's, course. That's what we did, and now we got to focus on what you're talking about, and we will figure that out together. Yeah. So I'm actually uh, curious. Who, and I, I think at this stage, the fans, you know, having seen us almost flatline in League One, missing the playoffs on multiple occasions, they're accepting the fact that, okay, we have, to, we have to spend what we earn, but we, at some point, need to increase the amount we're earning in order to so, fight up the echelons of League One, the championship, which we're currently nowhere near. So the main overarching question is, outside of the standard stuff you do in football, free kits, season tickets, what are we doing that no other club is. What well, are we doing as an innovative Tornante-led club that no one else but, is doing? But I think I want to talk about the macro level of the club and, and it's unfiltered, is that it was on a fall and then the PST saved it and it was amazing. 
but it was not sustainable because you can't keep Fratton Park. It was falling down. I mean, we had a whole community that was coming up, stepping up, saying that you have to fix this or we're going to reduce capacity. So you have to have like a, a, a phase where you save the club and it sits for a second and just like gets back on life support and then you give it what you know, the analogy is nutrients and, and you're feeding it now to bring it back on the upswing. And I feel like we're on the upswing, but to say that you don't have a trough at the bottom, it can't go boom, it's not a V. It's gotta be a U. And we're in the middle of the U and coming back up the bottom of the U. You know what I'm saying? I think it was, what would have happened, and this is not a, a pointing at them, just say there was not, the, you know, if, if there was no investment to come into this club, Fred and Park was in trouble. I mean, in real trouble. Um, you know, it was the perfect timing, I think, of everybody to come together, or else, you know, I don't know what would have happened. I'm not saying I'm saying in a defensive way. I just think now having seen it and knowing what had to go in just to make it uh, not even viable, like safety-wise, um, I don't know what's going to happen to a lot of these clubs. You know, I think a lot of these clubs are going to be facing very hard times coming up because of the pandemic, because of all the things we talked about, I know I got off your question a little bit, and you can come right back to it, but I just think they're important points. Um, you know, there's a whole thing in football of having to save the game for a second. Like, you know, pandemic happens, what about all these clubs that are trying to fight to stay alive, and then a pandemic comes? And so I think that's going to happen. And anything as far as we're doing individually, and I'm going to go back to the question, if there's something somebody's doing that you don't think we're doing, message us and tell us. Because we'll certainly analyze it, and if we're not doing, if it's a revenue generating thing, we would do it. Um, besides overspending, you know, and like so. Yeah, I mean, I think I have three things to to add to that. So I, I think uh, that's a correct answer. But so, um, look. So originally we built the big screen, which you know I would tell you over time, uh, we're trying to balance how much we Americanize the experience here. And, and it's actually interesting because the way the question is asked, it actually basically begs for more of that, which like when you really look at modern sports, who is pushing the envelope here? American franchises. So it's actually interesting. If that isn't a question of the fan base, what that leans to is we can probably more Americanize it. What does that mean? Probably another big screen at some point in time. Probably more entertainment around halftime and things like that. Now, I'm not so sure those are the right things, but one, we do have one big screen. Two, we did the deal with Nike, and at the time, so we were the only third division club in anywhere in the world to have Nike as a as a kit manufacturer, and maybe that doesn't, maybe that doesn't matter. Um, and then, and then the only other thing I would say is, and similarly on iFollow, um, you know, a, a large number of clubs were happy with the product, and we pushed that product along. Now it has nothing to do with the pandemic, although it did benefit us a little bit in the pandemic, where we had more cameras than many of the other League One clubs. That said, that is probably the biggest area where if you asked like, where will the most change over the next five to 10 years? That product is what is most likely to make you a more global club because that is something that people can watch at any time, not in the stadium. Um, it's funny, inside the stadium, the only real things that would most likely be impacted are family zone halftime and then the way you uh you know see media so again I, I already referenced that we did one large screen i think if you've been in the north stand lower you've seen some of the new kiosks that have moved also to televisions which have the ability to both 
you know, give you the menu or whatever, but also have live sports and stuff like that. Um, and so similarly, we're de developing some stuff like sort of outside of actually in the four walls of Pratt & Park, being able to buy a beer and whatever. But, but look, it's, I don't variable think, seating. I don't think, yeah, variable ticket pricing will happen at some point in time. That, that's like a good example. We're one of the but only I, clubs that doesn't do this. Yeah, right but, but I actually do think, I mean, just so you're clear, I don't think we ever would have said we were going to ultra fast Americanize the club. We felt when we put in the big screen, um, internal management staff, 50% of them did not want us to do it. Um, then after it was implemented, and by the way, actually, of all things we've done at the stadium, that's been the fastest payback. That has already paid for itself in terms of the sponsorship itself. Um, that said, what a lot of the management was telling us at the time is, eh, you're going to be seen to be Americanizing uh, the experience here. And so, and by the way, what they're right about is like highlights, there are many stadiums of the biggest teams in Europe which still do not have a screen that size. And I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong, but like that, that's one of the things to think about. Um, but I would say like we would push further and further into media for sure. I don't actually know that we would do much more in terms of those screens. Maybe we would add one or two more. Um, but I don't think beyond the outside media that that much would change in terms of the experience here. I'm actually interested just because it's been brought up what would you think if there were a halftime activity? We, you too, not, we, not the general family. We, we, we used to have halftime activities years ago, you know, even when I was a teenager. I'm 48 now. So, yeah. um, personally, I, I like to see the kids on the pitch at halftime taking penalties in the fattened end and, and all that good stuff. Um, I mean, we were both at Oxford away, weren't we? And they, had, they had some fan competitions going on. You can win some prize money it's a by. Fine balance. It is a fine balance. I, but I think. The fans that interact with us on the match day experience would like to see a bigger, uh, more entertaining fan zone outside of yeah. Flatton Park. Yeah, we have yeah. that in our plans. Yeah, that, that um, is in the plan. Because it's just these little things where it bumps up the numbers. And then as a football club, what you earn, the higher you earn, the higher you spend. 100%. And everyone wins on that one. So I think and that, that is in the plans. There, there also, there's always a very minor part. sector fan group that's going just throwing millions at it. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't that have to be that way. If we can yeah. earn millions, then we can spend millions. Yeah. So that, that's our end with that question. Yeah. No, by the way, it's, it's a great um, question. And, and I will say, on this one, just because Eric is so right, any fan, not just the two of you, any fan listening, if you have a great idea, we want to hear it. Like, we are... Totally. We are always for great ideas but yeah when part of fan zone is again i don't know how much you guys how much time you guys spend in the north stand car park right now but there's a lot of uh, materials that are but it but it's part of all of the plans so yeah mm. yeah well i will end on this last question because i see that mr cullen is circling <laughs> us and giving us the eyes so we'll end on this last one and we'll, we'll talk about the future as a broad aspect for the club relating to the academy uh eric when you sat down with Johnny Moore, uh, I believe it was a couple of months ago uh, when you were in New York, mm -hmm. you mentioned that we were unable to compete with, uh, with the academies around us right now. With that being the case, because obviously the, the clubs around us are more established, they're far better academies, that's just the unfortunate truth of where we are right now. In that case, and the academy is still part of the dream and the, the vision for this football club, while we are unable to compete with them right now, how do we circumnavigate that? Wait, How so, do we so take an alternate this. approach to, to circumnavigate the shortfalls? So this, we're strategizing and we'll take any opinions as well. But we bought the, the our Broco 
which you can't even make a Category 2 academy because of land size, due to number of pitches, et cetera, et cetera. So there's already a wall there. So we need to strategize beyond that wall there. Um, and then you have these two massive Southampton and Bournemouth right here. Uh, we'll take all requests. But right now we have our training ground that we've done the studies, and, and forget, correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't have enough land. There's land across the way in the rugby fields, which we're talking about, but then it's got dog walking capabilities, and they, there's things that you can't, that are beyond your control, but we don't even have enough land right now to make it a cat too. Yeah. So we need to. Um, so the only thing I want to add to that is so, like, the Academy with Greg Miller at the top, like, is working on this question, um, and I don't want to take any credit for this because this is their. They have added scouts, but like it's both a great question and a thing we're working on. And of the set of things, you know, in terms of like what we've made most progress on, I think that's probably the one that we're the least far along. So I mean, you know, it's it's been thought about. I think Greg has taken it easily two steps beyond where it was before, and shy of a good answer to you. Yeah, because yeah, to to use the words at the Guildhall five years ago, and it. It met with, I'm not sure some amusement, but a bit of whimsy. Uh, I believe it was termed Britney's and Justin's. Now, obviously, the best talent in the area is naturally going to gravitate, gravitate towards the place where that can be fostered the best, garnered the best. So that's why the question centers around if we don't have the land at Roco right now, if there are limitations on what we can do in that area, what unique alternate approaches are we going to take to incentivize people to come here, to, to tell these promising young kids look uh, yes we may not look as glitzy and glamorous as insert up the road here but oh, here's the reason here's the reason I thought we referred to the question is like, you know, if we have these limitations <laughs> as an academy how do we incentivize the next best to, to ply their trade here to develop here and it's a great question. It's We're five years down the road. Out. Obviously, at the moment, the, the talent pool in that area is looking somewhat sparse. It's great news that Haji Minogo made his debut for Tanzania not too long ago. Harry Jewett White signed his first pro contract. So there are a couple You saw Jay play last night? It, yeah. 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 So the, there, are, there are a couple of players in there, but it, what, how are we going to get these people in a PO postcode as opposed to anywhere else? And I think that... As a club that we are looking towards the future, that's as, and you've admitted, that's a question we've fallen very shy on and, and not really got an answer from. And I think that's where the fans are going, if we don't have it today because we've not made the playoffs, what about the tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I just say I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. No, it's, it's what and, we're working on. We need to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're trying to give honest answers. I mean, you don't have a good answer, out. the better thing is to admit we don't have a great answer. Yeah. But look, we, we will work on it and figure it out, but it, that is a tough one. You know, I think when we bought the team, we didn't realize the depth of the academy issue, let's say. And so that needs to be applied to. Yeah. I, mean, I think we got also the, the, the spending versus the non-spending. We came in a, an interesting time. Well, maybe a few months down the road then. Um, we'll just put it out there on the podcast right now. Greg Miller, we cordially, cordially <laughs> invite you to join us on the uh, Three Lads in the Pub. And yeah, hopefully, again, like we all root for Pompey, so hopefully a few months down the road that there will be an answer that the fans can rally behind right now. Because as, as Andrew pointed out in our 
interview with him, the people want to root for people term, from long, this city and want to ply their trade the long here. Long-term answer is a 23-team, a, a, a pathway from academy to the first team. Now, how do we get there? We got to figure that out together. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.